Congratulations. You've made it through another week. And as your heavenly reward, we offer to you this gift. No, it's not the finest jewels, rubies, and sapphires. No, it's not a stretch limousine ride to your favorite museum. And no, it's not a salad bar, heaven sent with all your favorite high-value proteins, nuts, and leafy greens. It is instead another bewilderingly wonderful episode of your favorite podcast, and also your mom's favorite podcast, Election Profit Makers, with me, your co-host, Kim. And I'm joined on the line way down south in North Carolina by none other than Hey, David, how you doing? Hey, everyone out there in podcast land. John, I'm so excited because you have a major surgery coming up. Why don't you share with our listeners the follow-up to your incredible hearing aid story? Well, in uh, two weeks, I will be getting LASIK vision correction surgery, which is something I've always been curious about. And um, now I figure since I can hear, it'll be nice to be able to see. You know, since my eyes have changed as I've gotten older, I'm at the point now where I'm wearing contacts and reading glasses and I have like so many different sets of glasses. So what I'd like to do is just have my eyes fixed and then just wear reading glasses pretty much all the time. So, And let me get this straight. They're going to fix your eyes by shooting a laser gun at them? Luke Skywalker paging Dr. Luke Skywalker. The <laughs> droids have escaped from the Death Star. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, didn't you apparently used to work in a doctor's office that did this? Yes, John, it's true. Uh, many years mm. ago, I think I've mentioned this previously on the podcast because it's one of the things in my life that I'm most proud of other than attending one Oberlin College, which is that for a time... I happen to have a job working for the head of the cornea department at the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary. Huh. And this doctor was on the, uh, shall we say, cutting edge of refractive surgery. We had one of the first LASIK machines in America. It was made by Vizex. I don't know if they're still in business. And I think their competitor was Summit Technologies. Uh, but he was back from the day when he started out, they were still doing radial keratotomy, which is when they used to just make little cuts in your eye to collapse the cornea normal. But they used to do that. And then they said, why don't we let the laser do it? And so we would, um, he, and he also did a lot of cataract surgery and, um, I was his study coordinator and he did a lot of work in matrix metalloproteinase expressions and cornea wound in corneal wounding. And, um, yeah, LASIK used to be a big part of my life back yeah. in the day. Well, sounds I should have taken you to my uh, orientation visit, so you probably would have had some good questions. I didn't know what to ask. I was just basically like, are you going to mess my eyes up? And they said, probably they not. They said, oh, yeah, we're going to fuck those eyes up. What do you think? We're literally going to shoot a laser at them. Of course we're going to yeah. mess your eyes up. You're going to smell the burning corneal tissue as the See, laser that's what you shoots into your eyeball. Is that really going to happen I mean, back in the day, yeah, when I would attend a LASIK surgery, you would smell it like you're, sh you're burning tissue. Okay, good. Good to know. Okay, we got a lot to talk about this week. As always, there's uh, much in the news because these clowns in Washington are always having a three-rig circus. Why don't they change the name of George Washington to Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, the father of our country? Um... 
the January 6th committee hearings. Boy, was that something. Thursday night, prime time. Thursday night. Um, did you watch it? Listen? No, it was the weirdest thing. I went out to dinner and then I was going to come home and listen. And then instead I fell asleep. Yeah, that's right. Because it was so freaking hot. And I ate outside at a disappointing restaurant with my friend, my friend Danny boy. But um, you and Janie got me up to speed. So you did you watch or listen? Oh, I listen. I always listen on the WUNC app. That's our uh, local NPR station. So what are the takeaways and how will they affect predicted markets? Uh, the takeaways were this guy, bad choice for president. I don't know if that's a hot take, but he uh, did not perform well on January 6th, uh, which was by design. And, you know, the all the testimony, most of it from Republicans was pretty explosive. I was impressed with Liz Cheney's closing argument. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there was anything that blew us. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there was one thing that blew us away, which is the unnecessary shot at uh, Senator Josh Hawley, your friend and mine, mm. um, which just added a little something, something to the hearings. And remind me again, what was the deal with Josh Hawley? Well, Josh Hawley was famously uh, known to have, before the January 6th events occurred, that morning he was spotted going into the Capitol and raising his fist like a tough yeah. guy to all of the demonstrators out there who later became rioters and insurrectionists right. and saying, I'm with you, bring it on. Mm. Okay. And uh, they made sure to show that clip of him. And then right after it, they showed a clip of him running away from the demonstrators in the Capitol as they were storming the Capitol. And he looked ridiculous. He was skedaddling. Yeah, which you would. But it was just the the hypocrisy, I guess, of on one end being such a tough guy and classic Internet tough guy. Yeah. effing around and then finding out. So people were loving that. Yes. Who else was made to look a stone fool last Thursday night at the January 6th committee hearings? They showed video outtakes of Trump's uh, mea culpa speech, I guess, uh, saying that the rioters did not represent him, except that he wanted that struck uh, and he wanted uh, the part where the script said that the election was over. He wanted to strike that. He said, no, I can't say that either. Um, he, he basically couldn't say a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He couldn't say that they didn't represent him because they did. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't say that the election was over because in his mind, it still wasn't over. Uh, he basically said nothing. So, of course, our first instinct after something like this is to go to predict it and see if how it's affected our portfolio. The most obvious market to check in on is who will win the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. I have 250 shares in no on Donald Trump. Okay. Um, let's see. Donald Trump is currently trading at 44 cents. Yes. I mean, this thing did not really have an impact on his share price, John. No, it it didn't. And I think uh, the Republican, it's because I think the in the universe of people, 
that are going to decide who the nominee is. On the Republican side, these these are not these January six hearings are not breaking through because they're not being broadcast on the Fox. Right. Now, I mean, there've been op eds in uh, you know the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal and things of that nature since then, saying that Trump is obviously not fit to ever run for president or to represent the Republican Party again. But I don't know if they are having any weight. First of all, if Trump wins the nomination, both those papers will absolutely endorse him. Second of all, I don't know, people reading the tea leaves saying the Murdochs are done with Trump. Nobody who's going to vote for Trump probably cares about what those newspapers say, right? No, it's what Breitbart thinks. Right. It's what- uh, It's what QAnon thinks. And Tucker Carlson. The January 6th committee hearings are done for the summer, right? They're going to do more in the fall is what I believe is true. Yeah, they're going to come back in September. Is there any reason for me to change my position now? I've been holding this foolhardy position for so long. 250 shares, Trump will not be the nominee. Goodness gracious. I paid 76 cents was my average price, and now it's down to 55 cents. I wouldn't change your position at this point. All right. I also see that I have 100 shares, yes, in Mike Pompeo. What was I thinking? What's that all about? I don't know, but I love that. I'll hold that. I'm, I'm going to hold that. Mike Pompeo, I got you, buddy. I got your back. Do you have any any on Josh Hawley? Josh Hawley is not in this market. Oh, wait. No, he is maybe. Uh, Yeah, he's way down at one cent. He's down with the one cent. The one cent crew, along with Marco Rubio, Donald Trump Jr., and um, well, I was going to say Tucker Carlson, but Tucker Carlson's actually trading at two cents, along with Ted Cruz and Mitt mm-hmm. Romney. Some murderers row of wonderful possible presidents. Oh man, Mike Pompeo, did you read that interview? <laughs> the guy interviewed Alan Dershowitz because Alan Dershowitz was saying he got canceled on Martha's Vineyard. He was complaining about how Larry David said you're a creep or something because he saw him pat Mike Pompeo on the back or something. Yeah, the guy, you know, yeah. I talk Isaac. Ch- what's yeah. his name? Chot Chotner. He always gets people to make absolute asses of themselves when he interviews them. Yeah, do not talk to that guy when he calls. Oh my God, Alan Dershowitz was like, "Yeah, I've gotten so uh, the bookstore got inundated with calls, people, uh, customers telling them to cancel me." And then there'll be a little parenthetical, and Isaac Chotner's like, "I called the bookstore. They said nobody has ever <laughs> called them about Alan Dershowitz in any capacity <laughs> for the last five hundred years." <laughs> Yeah, they're canceling me all over. Oh, come on. Everybody shut up. Nobody's getting canceled. For goodness gracious, peace sake. Nobody? I'm sure some people are. Somebody's come got on. Yeah. Doesn't, I don't think it justifies the 20,000 op-eds and in, in think pieces in the New York Times every week. Some Agree. Agree. Oh my. There's probably a couple of edge cases right. that are a little weird, but no, it's not a problem. This would be like if every week the New York Times published five op-eds that were like, why do people constantly keep getting killed by lightning strikes? Well, lightning is scary. It's the only weather phenomenon that I'm scared no, of. No, that's not true. You're scared of all wind, you told me once. I don't like wind. I'm not scared of it. Oh, I just you're don't not? like it. Okay. No, it's loud, noisy, messes stuff up. Lightning, though? I'm not scared of it. It's just electricity. I love electricity. No, you won't love it if you, if if you if it gets close. I wish it would reset my brain. I know. I do kind of wish for that too. Right? Just like zap me. Yeah, you read those stories. Turn my life yeah. around. Sometimes you just need someone to give you a good shake by the lapels and say, what are you doing? Get your shit together. That's what a good lightning strike could do. Yeah. No disrespect to anyone who's traumatized by lightning strikes, but it is a quick and easy fix. And quick and easy fixes are usually quite effective. Yeah. 
Okie dokie, John, let's keep it moving. Let's address briefly the conventional wisdom that in a midterm election, whoever's president, their party gets their asses kicked. And I feel like over the last two years, ever since Biden was elected, people have been saying, well, you know what this means? Dems are going to get their ass kicked in the 2022 midterms. Mm -hmm. And everyone says this as if they're old Mr. Prognosticator. They're so savvy. But also sometimes it just feels like an excuse to not really try because it's like, well, there's no point in trying. We're going to get our ass kicked anyway. And I, I kind of feel like that's a little bit frustrating at times, but now all of a sudden I'm seeing all these polls that say on generic ballots, Democrats actually have the advantage. And this is like upending all this conventional wisdom. So John, what's going on? Do we, what, what, what's going on? Well, yeah. The question is, is it, are these polls fool's gold? Mm. Are these polls real? Um, I mean, they they obviously represent. I think they probably represent something, but the election is not necessarily going to be held today. So we'll we'll have to see. I think Echelon Insights uh, has the generic Dems with a seven point advantage right now. Even the U.S. Chamber has Dems up by five. And uh, this past week, uh, Cook Political came out, and they are still saying that they think the GOP is going to retake the House, but they're saying that those gains are going to be cut from 20 to 35 to 15 to 30. So uh, I think there has been a sea change. And I think the conventional wisdom that the Republicans are probably going to retake the House is is probably smart and probably true. But people have to look at the long game, lo- the long game. In that it's okay for them to retake the house, but I mean, it's not good. But if they do, you want them to retake it by the smallest of margin possible Mm -hmm. because it makes it that much easier. The clock isn't the, you know, it's not like a basketball game or something where two teams play and then the next time they play, the slate is wiped clean. So next time we play them, depending on how many seats were down, we, uh, anyway, you know what I mean. No, finish the finish the know. analogy. You got it. the The analogy is you you want to keep the score close, so the next time you play, you can take the house back. So if Republicans, if you just say, "Oh, they're, they're going to win the house back," we shouldn't do anything, and then they win the house back by sixty seats, then next time, it's going to take a ton more for us to get it back. So we should fight like hell, and even if we lose. That will have an effect on the following. Can I suggest a slight a variation on your analogy? Yeah. The number of seats we win is not the score. It's the number of players we have on the court for the next basketball game, right? Maybe. Imagine that basketball is played with 438 players total. Right. And yeah. It, no, no, it, it is a good analogy. Right. So if the Republicans have, let's say, 30 more players on the court than the Democrats, that's a huge Republican advantage. If they only have, say, 10 more players on the court than the Democrats, that might be something that can be overcome. That's right. I mean, it can't really in today's hyper-partisan congressional milieu, but I don't know, maybe- Milieu. We got to work on this analogy. We'll do a good job with this analogy, though. We'll get it, we'll get it done, right? Uh, Which party will control the Senate after the 2022 election? I'm on predicted once again. Going to be close. Going to be close. Well, the Democrats. Not according to predicted. It's 60 42. Republican Democrat. 
Well, one of the things that the Democrats going, have going for them is that even though this is a potential Republican environment, the Democrats have decent candidates running, mm-hmm. which gives them a fighting chance. You know, mm-hmm. Ryan may have a chance in Ohio. I don't think he is favored. I don't think he's going to win. I think he does have a better chance because he is a decent candidate. And if it were not a Republican year, I think he probably would be favored. So we ha- and we should say we're speaking about him being favored over one J.D. Vance. And yes, friends, we are actively pursuing our J.D. Vance dirty underwear billboard. Uh, I was in email correspondence with a billboard person just this morning. Uh, we'll have more on that soon. Um, J.D. Vance on Predict It, the relevant market is which party will win the U.S. Senate election in Ohio in 2022? It's GOP 78, Democrat 23. But J.D. Vance, the shine might have come off J.D. Vance a little. We had a listener send us this recent article about J.D. Vance is not really campaigning in Ohio. He's been out fundraised by Ryan. Um, I don't I don't think that really matters because Peter Thiel is going to give J.D. Vance as much money as he needs, right? Right. But, but uh, this is a high-profile race because there are a lot of people like us, John, who don't like J.D. Vance. Tim Ryan's raised a lot of money and is out, out, in, the, out in these streets, as we say. J.D. Vance went to Israel and some Republicans got mad at him for being in Israel instead of being in Ohio. I don't know. I think I might agree with you. I think this race might not be a foregone conclusion. I, I think it's probably fairly priced, but I, I think that, uh, you know, a one in four chance isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. And we got Fetterman in Pennsylvania dunking on Dr. Oz all day and all night. Yeah, I, I don't. I think that race is uh, definitely favors Fetterman. I feel confident. Really? Let me check that real quick. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Predicted has that one Democrat 61, Republican 40. So let's say that's over. But if those two were in Ohio, I would say it would be a toss up. Ohio's redder than Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, it's just just that simple. So I bet it's two things, right? I do think the abortion thing has made a difference. And I do think that it just so happens that Republicans are fielding some strangely weak candidates this time around. Right. Speaking of weak candidates, what do you think about this strategy? It happened in Maryland and- um, Democrats boosting MAGA candidates. Right. This is something people were talking about on our Discord. Uh, yeah. In a vacuum, it seems like a really poor idea. Uh, I, I think in certain cases- it might be worth the risk. And I know that might sound controversial, but I think maybe in Maryland, uh, it's hard for me to see a MAGA Republican or really any Republican in in Maryland winning. They would need, Maryland is such a blue state that you would need a lot of crossover voters. So yes, it is a catastrophic outcome if that MAGA Republican Politico ends up becoming uh, governor in Maryland, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, I, I think boosting a MAGA um, representative in North Carolina or uh, Pennsylvania or Georgia or places like that is not smart. The idea being that if you boost a MAGA candidate in the primary, they'll turn off regular voters in the general election, and then that means the Democrat can win. Right. Right. And I and, I, and again, a high I think it, stakes game for yeah. chess. 
Yeah. I mean, and I think people like to say that that's what Democrats did with Trump. I don't know if that's true. I know we didn't do that. I know we were terrified of Trump were being we? the representative. I was. I wanted Cruz to win so badly just because I knew oh even, even if Trump- Hillary Clinton would have destroyed Ted Cruz. Yeah, but I thought she would actually have less of a chance against Cruz than she did against Trump, but obviously that was wrong. So, Right. It's a bad idea. Overall, I think it's a bad idea unless it's a super safe district. I would have no trouble doing it in, in uh, my congressional district here in North Carolina. Uh, but again, it would just be unnecessary. If your district is safe enough to warrant a high stakes move like that, it's probably safe enough to not have to bother with some kind of 4D chess. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, I think boosting any MAGA person, even if, you know, it's almost like Dems are being like Gen X hipster ironic about these candidates, you know, like how people used to watch shitty TV shows and convince everybody they were real. No, no, I'm, I'm truly into Saved by the Bell. You know, uh, it's kind of like, mm, even if you're boosting them ironically, you are boosting them. Like you are amplifying their message. And I think at this point, you can't say, you can't respond to that by being like, well, people should know how crazy these candidates actually are. I mean, we all know. We all know they're crazy. So it kind of feels like giving them any legitimacy, even if it's ironic or strategic, just feels a little irresponsible. Yeah. I don't definitely. know. Then again, I'm not a political consultant. Uh, no, you would be rich if you were. They make a lot of money, apparently. They do make a lot of money. That's the only deep state I care about. The worst deep state is the deep state of like political consultants who get paid no matter what. Yeah, imagine if you're representing the Democrat in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. You're just oh, raking okay. in yeah. all this money and placing yeah. ads, yeah, 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 which yeah. you you know are going to have no effect at all. Speaking of campaign fundraising shenanigans, John, our oh. friend in North Carolina's 11th district, Madison Cawthorn, who lost his primary, you'll remember. Yes. He's in trouble now because apparently he got a lot of donations that could only be spent on the general election. The money is spent, and yet, lo and behold, he will not be entering the general election because he is not the primary winner. So my question is, did he spend this money before he lost or after he lost? I mean, both are bad because if you're spend, I guess if you're spending the money before you lose, then you, you've, you've just made a bad calculation. Right. If you spend it after you lose, then you're in some truly sketchy territory. Truly fraudulent territory. Well, we don't know because as of the publication of this article in the Daily Beast a couple of days ago, they had not yet filed their quarterly FEC um, reports mm. and they missed their deadline, which was July 15th. No, that's not So good. I don't know. I don't know how we spent the money. Not really surprising, I guess. Madison Cawthorn is just like... I mean, I guess there's not much we can say or analyze or prognosticate about this because he is no longer the candidate for that district. And I will say, speaking of the North Carolina's 11th district, that um, I regret to inform everybody that I logged on to 538 for the first time in four years to look at North Carolina's 11th. And sure enough, they have Republican Chuck Edwards uh, winning uh, chances of him winning over our high school fellow alumna Jasmine Beach Ferrara, 97 to 3. Uh, so I guess we could fairly call that a long shot for Democrats in that district. Well, we could have boosted Madison Cawthorn if we wanted to play that game. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I think everybody was shook 
right? I mean, the Democratic strategy, of, as we've discussed many times, was to actually re-register to vote in the primary against Madison Cawthorn. Yeah, and, and I, I think that was think that's the play here. That is the play. That is the play. That might be reverse four-dimensional chess, right? Mm-hmm. That's upside down four-dimensional chess. So listen, it's going to be interesting to see if there are other MAGA candidates that this is this will happen to. Uh, I kind of don't think that Madison Cawthorn is unique in terms of his grifty nature, that there'll probably be other cases where these candidates thought that they were a shoe-in and went ahead and spent that money. Three grand at Chick-fil-A, apparently. Really? Yeah, that was one of the numbers that jumped out at me. Do you have access? I, I don't I don't have a subscription to the Daily Beast. I need I to- can't remember how I read it because I didn't either. And I hit a paywall and then I tried to register and I thought it was a free registration. And then all of this, all of a sudden they said, if you press this button, you're going to give us a hundred dollars. And I was like, no, no, no. And I backed away. There's so many sites now that I am have subscribed to for like one dollar a month. And the Daily Beast is not one yet, but I'm sure it will be soon. And I, I have a feeling that in 12 months. I'm going to get like a $6,000 credit card bill. When all those all those promo rates bump yeah. up to their actual rates. It's going to be yeah. like Market Watch, Bloomberg, The Daily uh-huh. Beast, Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that'll be fun. This might be the last time we talk about Madison Cawthorn, unless there's more news about these finance troubles. But um, I would just say, fare thee well, Madison Cawthorn. You don't think we'll see him again? Kind of don't, man. I mean, he's, I mean. Run for governor? You think Madison Cawthorn's going to run for governor of North Carolina? Don't think he'll win. I don't know, man. I kind of think he'll just like. um, I kind of think we should boost him. All right. Yeah. Just a general boost. This is not a particular primary where we want Madison to win so that the Democrats can claim the seat. Yeah. We just want to boost him. Just to stick around. Just as a cool guy, I don't. It's an entertain, entertaining guy. Not a no, cool. John. See, that's the whole problem. Politics is not entertainment. Okay, it's pretty entertaining sometimes. But I just don't think you should think of politics as entertainment. You're elevating the wrong types of people, don't you think? Biden's not really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, he's also not doing a great job. Maybe he could stand to be a little more entertaining. Biden, when we said politics wasn't entertainment, we didn't mean that you should be the most boring person who has ever lived and can't do anything. (laughs) Come on, Joe Biden. Most entertaining thing that guy's done is getting COVID. Yeah. Biden got COVID. Who cares? Even that wasn't exciting. When Trump got COVID, it was so exciting. It was the, pretty much the most exciting day of my life when Trump got COVID. <laughs> when, when Biden got COVID, it was like, doesn't he already have COVID? Huh? I was yeah. confused when he got COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal for anybody to get COVID at that age. Uh, but uh, with all the vaccines at this point, I think everybody knows that uh, the likelihood of having some serious complications, even uh at that age is much lower than it was when Trump got COVID. And that's proven because out because Biden is not in the hospital. Like Trump was in the hospital pretty quickly. Oh my God. Didn't Trump take a hel- emergency helicopter ride to the hospital? Yep. He did. <sighs> I really thought he was going to die. All right. Well, we can't look at the past. Okay. Yesterday is a hard word for me. I got that reference. 
Overall, John, quick question, gut check. Are you feeling more or less optimistic about the midterms than you were, say, one week ago? Oh, I'm definitely feeling more optimistic. The polling gives me comfort. I like to have the the data, the metrics. It, it gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling, knowing potentially that maybe it's off and, and that it's not even real, but it does make me feel better. I agree with you. I kind of feel more optimistic than I did a week ago. Even with the the... Heat wave? I don't think I don't think the heat wave makes a difference politically. Or do you mean optimistic about the earth? About yeah. humanity's chance of surviving and thriving? Yeah. Living, laughing, and loving? No, I think that's I'm a little more pessimistic, I think. I think the I think the weather is um, shall we say, cause for concern. Yeah. I mean it's something that's um, because it sure has been hot around here. It's summer, David. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, but in the words of Nelly, it's getting hot in here, so take off all your clothes. That was kind of like a real leap he made in that song, wasn't it? Like, it's getting hot in here, so take off all your clothes. Like, okay, let's, let's, shouldn't we try turning on the air conditioner first or having a glass of ice water? Nope. Take off all your clothes. This is my new, I'm working on a comedy bit about, um, I'm going to be the official comedian of the climate crisis, John, I've decided. And so all my jokes are going to be about, um. Uh, the climate crisis. I'm going to bring okay. people's attention to this issue by being funny about it. That's a great way to engage people uh, with an issue that you're interested in. And so it's going to be like, oh, yeah, are you guys scared about um, uh, cancel culture? Well, I am too. Just talk to all the species that have been canceled and gone extinct. Do you think that would get a standing ovation? Uh, uh, it would get, some, I would laugh at that. Okay. What's the deal with what's the deal with um, what's the deal with airline food? Don't they know that riding in an airplane is killing the planet? I don't know if those ecocide. Hey, you know when um the ecocide? I you know I just thought okay. So there was this Kardashian. One of the Kardashians took a private plane, like a very short trip, like less than twenty minutes, and people got really mad at her. Right. I don't think that was even true, actually. Okay, well, pretend it was for the sake of my comedy right. special that I'm taping right now. You guys know about the Kardashians, right? Yeah. They're always getting their photos taken. They're very fashionable. We love them. We all love the Kardashians. Well, um, sometimes I hear when they're getting photographed, the Kardashians will be like, oh, no, that's my bad side. Take this shot. It's my good side. Oh, yeah, well, what about your eco side? Because you're killing eco. The eco yeah. side. Do you understand my yeah, joke? Yeah, I get it. Like an okay. ecological, uh, <laughs> yeah. ecological genocide. And there's ecocide. no, and there isn't. They don't even have an eco side, or well, they do, but it's bad. It's, oh, it's bad. Damn it! No, you're right. No, this fuck. This joke won't work because I'm not saying eco side like e c o new word s i d e. I'm saying eco side. E C O C I D. Oh, okay. I'll have all to right. explain that when I'm done telling the joke. Whenever when all the laughter dies down, I'll explain what I mean. Like just to be clear, guys. Right. The way Maybe I'm spelling ecocide is different. If you had an overhead thinking. projector, oh, if I had an you overhead, click except it. the problem is that uses electricity, and that will, and then someone will be like, "Well, this guy's the." climate crisis comedian and yet he's using an overhead transparency projector and that uses electricity so <laughs> checkmate i know right like when al gore yeah. got in trouble for going to a climate event in a private jet or something yeah. like that can't do it so what i really need is a, a solar powered 
overhead transparency projector, which makes me think I could cut, I could just use the sun itself and like a mirror because that's all an overhead transparency projector is, is a light under a lens and a mirror. All right. I could just do it outside on a sun. Are you listening to me? I am. What are you doing? I am. Oh, this okay. is good stuff. Okay. Um, I could use the sun. Yeah. And shine it through like a lens and then it would hit a mirror and there would be a, I'll, I'll figure that part Not out. Not if it's cloudy. Yeah, but if it's what cloudy, do you do when it's cloudy and the wind's not blowing? Checkmate. I canceled the, the show, like how Kid Rock canceled a concert the other night because there was like a tornado warning or something, and he canceled right before it was supposed to start. And his fans got pretty happy. It was like watching January six all over again. There's a certain, <laughs> there's a what? certain type of like white person who just they just like go crazy. Wait a minute, like how do you know they were white? Because I watched a video of them. Oh, they were screaming, white. screaming at the like venue staff and throwing bottles at them and stuff, being so mad that Kid Rock had canceled their show. I'm telling you, wind and lightning, it's dangerous. I'll be the first comedian to record a Comedy Central special in the middle of a lightning storm. Wouldn't that be so high stakes? Everyone would watch to see if I would get zapped. Yeah, I would say. Right after I got zapped, right before I got zapped, I would say, beat okay. me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. Then I would get zapped. <laughs> you remember that bumper sticker? What a bumper sticker. Holy shit. That bumper sticker that was we- brutal as fuck. Yeah, that is. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is- <laughs> I haven't beat seen that up, bumper sticker. Beat me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. This, this bumper sticker just dissed everybody on Earth, on a whole planet. Yeah. You know, speaking of intelligent life, last week, didn't we talk about, you mentioned something about humans being the early species and I Yeah, if, we evol- if we're some of the first um, people to evolve in the whole universe. Yeah, we, we actually had some people write in about that and <laughs> sent us some YouTube videos, which I will say I spent some time watching and was a lot of math. And, uh, I mean, it was fascinating, but I got to say that it was almost too fast. I had to keep slowing it down and going back and trying to calculate, uh, the odds of whether we are the only intelligent life or the, I guess the odds that we're the only intelligent life at this point in time, at this point in time, maybe aliens existed a million years ago on some other planet. That's crazy to think about. So, yeah, a million. I think it said that that we, we're probably early, and that if we are early, and we can't see any other intelligent life out there right now, that that's probably a good sign, because if we could see them, that they would. The reason why we could see them is because they would be more advanced than us, and if they were more advanced. Than us, they would have already um, expanded into our uh, territory, and we therefore would not exist. Yeah, that feels like a lot of assumptions. I didn't find that argument very compelling. But I think that that's that's how. I mean, but maybe we're just using a super a, like intelligent a, life form that achieves almost speed of light travel, which is how you're gonna. It's the only way it's gonna happen that we would ever know about them, right? Is if they have a super fast spaceship. It just doesn't follow to me that that automatically means they're going to expand to other planets and galaxies. It feels like we're just, I mean, it kind of feels like we're projecting our own colonialist expansionist impulses onto 
a different, like an alien. Who knows how different these aliens might be? They might wear their shirts as their pants and their pants as their shirts. Like we have no idea. Or backwards, like crisscross. Yeah. And they might want to just like stay on their own little planet and do a good job on their planet and never go somewhere else because they have some crazy religion that says that if they go up into space, they'll die because you know what I mean? Like we have no idea. They might not even have religion. They might not even have, they might not even have food. They might not have restaurants. Yeah. You can't imagine how different these aliens could be from us. They might write backwards. Right. Yeah. That might, (laughs) that, um, I think that probably that if there are aliens out there, that they're probably not doing things to be visible that I, I kind of oh, agree that even a low profile. Yeah, I think it's probably smart to keep a low profile just in case. Um, not necessarily that they're bad people and that would mean us harm, but that they might just be so advanced that we wouldn't really register as even being interesting. Sort of the way like an ant hill is to oh, us. Shit. I, I don't think anybody it's truly beat me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. Right. And so I think they would just be like, yeah, we need that energy. There's some ants. And then they would just take us. Not not cuz it's like bad. Do you think they could be that much smarter than us though? Truly? Uh I I think I think they say if we find somebody out there that is less smart than us, then that's also a really bad sign. Uh it means that we're all heading for extinction for some reason. That those other uh huh. civilizations have have blown themselves up. Oh my God, they biffed it. I don't know. The whole thing was really confusing and it had to do with grabby aliens and not grabby aliens. And and they seemed to say that we were grabby because we are go- trying to go to Mars and stuff like that. But no one's going to go to Mars. Everybody relax. We're not going to be grabby aliens. No one's ever going to be on Mars. Everybody chill out. Okay. It would be so, I hope an alien beats us to Mars just to troll Elon Musk. That would be incredible. You know how pissed <laughs> he would be? Someone else... He finally got one of his little probes on Mars or whatever, and there was an yeah. alien flag up there, and there was like, "Yeah, we were here 500 years ago when we left." Because look around, it sucks. Yeah. All right, stuff stuff to think about. Thanks to everybody who wrote in uh, regarding my thoughts, my theory about Liz Cheney being the only U.S. politician in history to have a last name whose letter bank is identical to the capital of the state he or she represents. We got an abundance of thoughtful emails about this topic, and everyone pointed out something that I had forgot, which is that Cheney's father, Dick Cheney, the famous vice president, had also been uh, a politician from Wyoming. I think he was a senator, though, right? He wasn't a house rep. Mm. No, he was a house rep, I think. He was? Okay. Okay. I had completely forgotten that he yeah. was in the House. And 1979 so also, to 1989. There you go. Okay. Uh, and it seems there's consensus as to which politicians satisfy my criteria, although none of them really do as quite a good a job as the two Cheney. So let's, we're going to read one representative letter. Kenny, we're reading your letter. You may remember me. I wrote quite a while back with a program calculating same name counties that are adjacent to one another. Kenny, that was when your name was inscribed in the Hall of Legends. When I last wrote, I was pursuing a degree in computer science from Hamilton College. I graduated this May, and I'm now working in analytics for a major Democratic PAC trying to help Democrats win elections this November. 
As soon as I heard David's Liz Cheney ponderings, I jumped into action at my keyboard and wrote a quick Python script that would parse a CSV I found of every member of Congress ever. The results are fascinating. At first glance, it seemed that there were a total of five members of Congress in U.S. history whose last names shared the exact same letters as their state's capital. Those five are Senator Josiah Tatnall from Georgia, 1796 to 1799, Representative Edward Fenwick Tatnall from Georgia, 1821 to 1827, Representative James Buchanan Richmond of Virginia, 1879 to 1881, Representative Dick Cheney from Wyoming, 1979 to 1989, and Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, 2017 until probably uh, next year. So David was wrong, except that he wasn't. Here are the reasons why David was actually right. I believe the two Georgians, the Tatnalls, ought to be disqualified because Atlanta, which shares the same letter bank as Tatnall and is the capital of Georgia, Atlanta was not the capital of Georgia until 1868. The capital during the late 1790s was Louisville, and the capital during the 1820s was Milledgeville. So neither of those capitals share a letter bank with Tatnall back when Tatnalls were uh, representing Georgia. You follow me, John? Yeah, yeah. I'm following okay. you. Milledgeville. Never never heard of it. Never heard of Louisville, Georgia either. Yeah, Atlanta is a much cooler sounding capital. I think that was smart to move it to Atlanta. I think James Buchanan Richmond shouldn't count because his last name is the name of the state capital, which contradicts the spirit of David's inquiry. And thank you, Kenny, for respecting the spirit of my inquiry. All that's left now are our two favorite Cheneys, Dick and Liz. Since they're father and daughter who served in the same seat and share a last name, we can lump them together. David was basically correct that Liz Cheney is the only member of Congress in U.S. history whose last name shares a letter bank with her state's capital, with an asterisk next to James Buchanan, Richmond. Imagine if I had had this insight back when Dick Cheney was a representative from Wyoming. He was a representative from 1979 to 1989. Imagine in high school, John, if I had, an, mm -hmm. if I had stood up in civics class and said, I have an interesting fact to share about our current political landscape. There is a representative from Wyoming named Dick Cheney. And first of all, I see great things in his future. He will be a benefit to all of humanity as he ascends <laughs> in power. But yeah. secondly, Mr. Cheney is the only representative in United States history whose last name is simultaneously different from his state's capital and yet shares the same letter bank. I would have gotten an A plus for the whole semester. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have gotten waitlisted at Oberlin, but that's a that's a story for a different episode. Oh my gosh, when I got waitlisted, oh my guidance counselor had to call and put in a good word for me. What a humiliation! Really, I didn't know that happened. Yeah, because I failed my calculus. I failed my calculus final. I got a fifty six. I don't want to talk about really? it. Really? Yeah, really biffed it bad. Do you not study? Oh, I had a lot of stuff going on back in high school, John. So yeah. I, I didn't really, uh, there was like a, whatever. Okay. 56. That's a good grade. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks to everybody. Good. Thanks to everybody who wrote in <laughs> about the letter banks. This was one of the great conversations in the history of podcasting and in the history of linguistics. Mm. And um, if Noam Chomsky wants to come on and be interviewed for a Patreon episode about this, uh, we'd be happy to talk to him. I think he still does interviews. 
Oh, he does. Yeah. yeah he's, a, he's, as ever, a mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tobin wrote in and said, what would happen if you guys were politicians? Where could you serve that would be the same letter bank as your last names? Do you see this one? Yes. Okay. I see. Like a reverse engineering type situation. We actually pick out the mu municipality based on our last name. Okay. So Tobin writes, if John Kimball, letters A-B-I-L-K-M, were to be elected to be the administrator of the Belas municipality in Luanda, then his municipal capital would be Kilamba. Luanda is the capital of Angola. And Kilamba is the municipal capital of Luanda. I think that's what he's saying. Right. And Kilamba is the same letter bank as Kimball. As your lap. Yeah. Okay. So that's where you have. So you have to move. I mean, this is a big ask, but you have to do it for the podcast. You have to move to Angola. Okay. Mm -hmm. In Africa. Right. And what you have to do is run to be a, a municipal. What, what, what would your title be? Municipal director, head of the municipality? A administrator. Administrator, right? And say, listen, guys, I know this is a long shot. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not local. Okay, I'm kind of like Doctor Oz. I'm kind of just flying into, to for this gig, right, from out of town. But if you elected me, okay, so I actually tell last them. name, okay. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, okay. your. Old, I mean, what else are you going to run? What are you oh, going to okay. run on the fact right. you have LASIK? <laughs> okay, all right. I have, I have LASIK. Uh, okay. Okay, keep going with Tobin's letter. I'm sorry, <laughs> okay, so that's that's the platform. The joke right. is the platform. All right, right, sorry, I didn't I didn't quite get this. So, so <laughs> Tobin continues. Now, if David Reese letters E R S, that's uh, my letter bank. Just yeah. three letters. Uh, were to be elected to be the governor of Ceres regional unit in Greece, then the capital city would be Ceres. Uh, these are the only cities in the world that match your names, and they are both capitals of their region. Right. So we don't really have a lot of options. Yeah. It says Saris, which is spelled S-E-R-R-E-S, -E -R -R -E which shares the letter bank as my last name, R-E-E-S. Wikipedia says that's one of the regional units of Greece in the geographic region of Macedonia. It's part of the region of central Macedonia, and its capital city is the city of Saris, S-E-R-R-E-S. -E the total population reaches just over 175,000 people. I'm going to have so much power. And then it's subdivided into seven municipalities, and it looks like it's a prefecture. I'll have to learn what that is. Um, and so if I go, if I move to Macedonia, so you're, oh my God, you're going to be in Angola and I'm going to be in Macedonia. Yeah. My city has a population of 56,000 as of And uh, I'm over here trying to wrestle with 175,000 people and balancing their needs against the good of, a good of, the good of the community and my own unquenchable lust for power. Dude, you got to click on that. Click on that Kilamba link. There is a picture of the Kilamba skyline. Oh, really? Is it it's, looking good? It looks computer generated. Check it out. Whoa, Kilamba in May 2011 when it was largely empty. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I definitely. That's what you're going to be in charge of. Yeah. That's an uncanny photo. Yeah, I don't know why it was empty. 
Huh. All right. Thank you, Tobin. You've given us much to consider in our political uh, futures. Yeah. Thanks, Tobin. Aaron writes in, David, during the 2020 election cycle, you kept talking about text banking. I had never heard of this before and, before, and I assumed it was bots and not real people. After the devastating ruling with Roe versus Wade and watching helplessly as other states treated women like second-class citizens, again, it moved me to action. So I've been text banking for the past month with Vote No Kansas, trying to combat the misinformation campaign called Value Them Both. <laughs> this amendment is on the August 2nd primary, and if it passes, it will open the door and ultimately allow for a total ban of abortion in Kansas, even in cases of incest, rape, or pregnancy complications. Right now, vote no is ahead by 2%, and the margin of error is 2%. So she's with vote no, right? Mm -hmm. The value on both sides is being funded in part by Koch Industries, who we all love. The Catholic Church has dropped a million dollars into the campaign in the past month, including sending out handwritten postcards to voters from nuns. Oh, that's classic. I I used to do postcards for voters. And in fact, now that I think about it, Aaron, I think I just got an email from postcards to voters talking about this very campaign, but obviously on the other side, not the value of them both side. Anyway, she writes, the team vote no that I'm on, we're scrappy. We're trying to raise a mere $175,000. There's currently 19 regulations for abortion in the state of Kansas. And by supporting vote no, none of these regulations will be reversed. I'm reaching out to the EPM listeners and hope that you guys will read this letter potentially on the air and help us meet or exceed our goal. Every time we text bank, I learned it costs per text and we could use all the help we can get to connect with voters and combat the value them both disinformation campaign. It costs per text? What kind of text plan are they on? I have no idea. She says, finally, apologies. This email does not include any city skylines. However, it does have some of our nation's history. And then she talks about when the whole bleeding Kansas thing, when Kansas was joining the United States and they were fighting about whether to be pro or anti-slavery. Remember all that stuff? Yeah. And then, yeah, now it's a rivalry between Missouri and Kansas. Vote no Kansas.org if anyone wants to get involved. Yeah, text banking is nice. It's not as it's not as intense as making phone calls. And if the race is as close, uh, I mean, if these are polling within two percent, you know, and the margin of error is two percent, man, oh man, I bet every text counts, huh? Yep. John, we made it to the end of another episode, and presumably our listeners did as well. Thank you for joining us as always. John, why don't you read our credits that we wrote? Oh, Election Profit Makers is an independent production. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to try Predict It, go to www.predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. And we appreciate all your rating and reviewing and just spreading the word uh, to people by word of mouth about the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.